Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Back to Goal podcast. My name is Cameron Smith and I'll be one of your hosts today and moving forward. Um, first of all, I'll welcome my co-host and good friend Jamie Monks. Jamie, how you doing? Yeah, not bad. You know, really, really happy to be here. This has been something we've had, you know, in in the pipeline over the summer, uh, and, and you know, it's really good to you know record the first episode and get get the show on the road, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. I think um, me and Jamie both hold ourselves in pretty high esteem in terms of uh, football knowledge and our you know love for the game, and we feel like we can bring a lot of that to the podcast sphere. Obviously, a pretty condensed market, a football podcast, but we're hoping to bring something a little bit different, um, provide our own insight, which we feel is pretty valuable and can add a lot to, to what is already out there. And um, in this first episode, we've got plans to just um, you know go through the transfer market. Obviously, a little bit late in that regard, but it's our first episode, and also just talk through the start of the season and which teams have impressed us in each of the, the top five leagues in, in European football. And, and then moving forward, I think we're just going to be trying to to provide some insight into to European football, which is sometimes lacking in the English media. Um, and yeah, have a good a good time along the way, which uh, you know is what we want really. Oh yeah, no, definitely, and uh, I think it's worth noting that. Um you know, we we've not just you know just thought of this like yesterday. We we when when we came to uni, we were third year students. Now we straight away we sort of clicked together with that you know love for European football. You know uh, some of some of the uh, the teams that don't really get the love in terms of you know media coverage, like your, your Leons of, you know, of the past, and um, and obviously Lille winning the, the league a few seasons ago. So yeah, now just re- really excited to go you know get stuck in. Right, well, uh, I think it's time we get started with uh, our thoughts on the transfer window and the start of the season. Um, I think it's worth starting with the Premier League. Um, We're going to do a little segment where we're going to go through our our three favourite transfers uh, in each of the big five leagues in Europe. Um, Just a disclaimer, it's our favourite transfers, not the best transfers or the transfers that are going to make the most difference, anything like that. Trying to ignore perhaps the most obvious names, your Erling Haaland's, for example, and delve a little bit deeper into why certain signings have caught our eyes. Um, and then we'll go on to our thoughts on the season so far on each of those leagues. So we'll kick off with the Premier League. Uh, do you want to take us over your three favourite transfers, Jamie? Uh, absolutely. Um, so, f- first of all, I've gone for Amadou Arnana from Lille uh, to Everton. He was signed for the £34 million, I think it was, in the end. Um, and so far, yeah, I think he's hit the ground running. He, he had a a bit of a sloppy cameo against Aston Villa where he sort of did give away the ball for the goal. Um, but I think since then he's really hit the ground running in, uh, running in, in that regard. Um, you know, just recently the Merseyside derby, he really was the engine room for Everton. And I think um, with Adrissa Gay coming back, you know, Everton really do have a, a fairly decent midfield, you know, forming there, and hopefully they, those two can have a, a really good partnership. Yeah, I think they definitely need to. Yeah. Based on what we saw from Everton's midfield over the last couple of seasons, mm. it's been pretty uh, devoid of quality. And I think someone like Onana, yeah, a quality signing for Frank Lampard. Yeah, yeah certainly. Um, but also on Onana, you know, he, he wasn't someone last season for Lille who really, you know, has lit lit the the French league on fire. But he's, he's just been a solid. Player, you know, does the basics well. Great energy in midfield. You know, someone like Sumare, uh, in seasons past, has maybe you know lit, lit up uh, the lights a bit more. But I think Onana, so far anyway, has, has certainly showed that he's he's made for the PL. He's made for the grittiness of it, and you know we saw that in the Merseyside derby. Um, I think the next player I've gone for Lucas Baqueta, another how West Ham have signed yeah, him. No, I've it's, got it's no ridiculous. idea. 
I mean, we, we were talking about before, you know, um, the, the, the Premier League now is the Super League. Yeah. Why, why Premier League clubs would want to form a, a breakaway league with the rest of Europe is ridiculous because the money, the money and the players involved now are just at, at a different level. You know, Lucas Paqueta... Yeah, I mean, he's someone who could he could play for any of the big six. Yeah, and how completely. West Ham have signed him yeah. is Brazil yeah, international. It. Yeah, and he's been probably Ligue 1's best midfielder for last two couple, seasons. Yeah, yeah, two seasons. I was going to say, especially with Verratti being pretty injury prone, like constant presence for Leon, and mm. like he would just add quality to that West Ham like midfield area. I mean, not quite sure the role that he's going to be playing moving forward. What David Moyes really has envisioned for him, but. I mean, when you've got someone like Suchek in there who sort of stunts most of West Ham's mm. growth, I know he was obviously brilliant when he first arrived, but in terms of the style of play that you'd want to play, like he is a limited factor in possession, whereas Baguette's like the complete opposite of that, isn't he? Yeah, but that's, that's also, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because if you take out Suchek and put Baguette in, you also lose that defensive security. Yeah. I mean, so far he's played at the 10 yeah. against Chelsea. That's where I imagine he'd play. But... Yeah, so you, you'd imagine... Lanzini and Fornals maybe um, maybe lose out there, don't they? Yeah, but, I mean he's an upgrade for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely an upgrade. But um, and what was what was the fee in the end? What was it? Record signing about yeah. forty million. Yeah, it like was that. a fair fee. But then for a player of his quality, it's <coughs> you pay that much money. And you what, and what, to pay more. Yeah, what you also get with Paqueta is the uh, the intensity of the ball as well. Yeah. In he's terms not a of pressures, player, yeah, yeah, in terms of pressures, he was way up there in the top echelon uh, for the midfielders last season in League One. So um, yeah, no, another ridiculous sign just proved that you know the Premier League is at its best right now in terms of quality. Yeah, completely, it's on its league zone. And your last transfer? Uh, I've gone for Isaac from Sociedad yes. to Newcastle. His debut. His debut was uh, ridiculous. That that uh, second goal. I mean, he, he just showed his quality right there. And it, even though he didn't get perhaps the numbers he probably deserves last yeah, season last season was a, was a drop off I mean 17 goals the year before that yeah. last year was a bit of a, of a drop off six in the end yeah I think it was yeah. um, but you always know you know straight away when you watch a play you just know he's going to score goals and he's in that similar mould of the striker coming into the Premier League now you know he's six foot four and you'd think he'd just be a target man but he, the way he stretches defenders uh, defences runs the channels so well like Leia like Haaland like Nunes you know that that's the new mould of striker now. They're not just freakishly tall; they're freakishly quick, <laughs> which is just yeah, pretty. It's, it's a problem combo. for Premier League defenders, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I think Newcastle have a balancing act when Callum Wilson is fit. Obviously, he's like mm. came in at the perfect time, I think, because Callum Wilson suddenly got injured again, which is the problem you run when you have Callum Wilson your starting striker. Because as great as he is, he is pretty injury prone. So having someone like Isaac especially with the way Newcastle are looking to build, is the perfect signing. I think it just epitomises the business that Newcastle have done. I mean, when the takeover happens, you see them linked with just you see them linked with Mbappe, you yeah. see them linked with stupid names, but the way they've actually operated, I mean, getting Dan Ashworth out of Brighton is such a good move because of how Brighton have built their sort of transfer policy of the last couple of years, and you've seen it this this summer even. I mean, you saw it in January, Bruno Gimaraes, mm-hmm. even Dan Burns, sensible pickups. Then this summer, you've got you've gone and got Isaac, you've gone and got Sven Botman, you've gone and got Nick Pope. Like it's not overspending on silly players; it's the right kind of yeah. targets. And like Isaac's a young striker who's only going to get better and. Like he's already ready to improve them now, and he's going to improve them in the future. It's just really impressive, I think, Newcastle's mm. business, the way they've operated. Yeah, it's just also that in um, the fact that if Callum Wilson gets injured, 
the next striker before Isaac came in was Chris Wood. And uh, if you speak to Newcastle fans, um, not happy. Yeah, not, not the biggest. I mean, it, fan. they did sign him to relegate Burnley. Yeah. Um, and that plan worked. But um, yeah, Isaac's certainly an upgrade. Mm. Um, I'll move on to mine then. Three favourite transfers. Um, I'll start with Chet Decore to Palace. Um, from Lons and yeah, Lee Gun again. I mean, we've mentioned there's a third player mentioned from Lee Gun, and it won't be the last. Um, but yeah, was so impressive at Lons alongside Fafana. For for you know, Fafana got the head, headlines I think in in Lee Gun for for his driving runs mm. forward, for his goals. Um, but Decore was so good, and he's coming to Palace. I mean, his debut against Arsenal I thought was really impressive. I mean, he's impressed me every time I've watched him. He's got all the traits you'd want from a central midfielder. He can play as a six, he can play as an eight. He's like he covers so much ground, he's comfortable on the ball. Like he, there's not a facet of his game that I think is particularly weak. And I think it's another example of Palace. We talked about Newcastle's recruitment. This is another mm. example of Palace's recruitment being incredible. I mean, they've got to get Gurhey, Anderson, you know, now they've got Ducore. Like they're building a really strong core to their team and it's no longer the Zaha show and it's made Zaha even better. Like mm. we've we talked in years prior of Zaha being worth eighty million because Palace can't afford to lose him because he's the only player. Teams knew how to the the gang up the gang up on Zaha and you can yeah, nullify you can his bully threat. Him out the game, yeah. can't you? Now At I know times. I know Elise's not played loads because Vieira's, you know, eased him into the starting eleven. Eze has had his injury problems, but you've got so many more threats in attacking areas. And it means Zaha's freed up. And I mean, Ducore's role at the start of this season has been pretty excellent. You've got Schlup next to him, you've got Eze next to him. And he's, I was was hesitant whether he's going to go and play the Gallagher role because obviously mm. Gallagher's gone back to Chelsea. But it seems as though he is just playing Vieira season more has a six. And I like that. And he's played well. And it's it was the, the position I was hoping he'd play because of the weakness Palace have in that area. And they've solved it. I mean, Milivojevic... You know he's been a great servant for them, but he's he's no longer ready to cut it from yeah, starting he's not, he's quality. He's not at the level, is he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one more thing on Decore. Um, in the opening game against Arsenal, I know they lost the game, but you can tell when a midfielder is at like a top top level when they do them disguised between the line passes. <laughs> when they when they open the game up and then slide yeah. it through between the lines, that's when you know you've got a player who is just on a different level in terms of technical ability and understanding of the game. And I think. You know, Czech Decore has definitely got that in abundance. Yeah, for sure. I think it's an example of a player who is at a stepping stone club right now, and I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a step up to a European club mm. uh, in the Premier League pretty soon because he's been so impressive so far. And talk of another player who could make that step up to a European club in the Premier League is Shao Polina, who's another one of my favourite transfers. Uh, he's the second one for me. Uh, sporting CP to Fulham. Um, again, like you talked about, the Premier League and, and its riches. Yeah, how um, can Fulham get... Palina, it doesn't make any sense. He's so good. I remember, obviously, I'm not. I don't watch the Premier League all the time. I mean, I've watched Sporting and the Champions League, but I do remember the Euro 2021 when Fernando Santos, being Fernando Santos, sticks with his tried and tested guys. But Palina came in for came off the bench along with Renato Sanchez, and they started the next game. Mm. And he revert, he reverted away from having Bruno Fernandez at ten with with two double pivots, two double pivots, two double sixes, I should say. Um, and Polina really impressed me then and ever since then I've been keeping a keen eye on him and yeah he's just and full of like I mean I was, I was impressive at sporting and then on the, the biggest stage I guess in the Premier League he's been 
incredible so far alongside Harrison Reed mm-hmm. and Fulham have, have started really well I think better than we probably expected them to oh, do oh yeah definitely um, yeah. and it's it's for reasons such as this like signing Jalpolina who's a European quality Champions League quality central defensive midfielder breaks up play so well tidy on the ball and like I just, I just still am a bit of yeah. disbelief um, that Fulham have signed him. Yeah, I mean, the opening game against Liverpool, he, he really showed his level. Like, he could definitely hang with Fabinho yeah. and Thiago, no problem. Yeah. You know, Thiago gets brought off uh, just in the second half, doesn't he? Obviously due to injury, but, you know, Palinia has certainly, you know, got his number in that game almost. He has, you know, really stamped his authority and said to them, lads, you know, you may be playing for a bigger club, but I, I'm at that, that level. Where I can definitely you know match you. Yeah, for sure. I think he's he's a type of player who can win a midfield battle on his own. Yeah. Um, and I really like that in a player. You can sometimes see players who are like, oh, you're a good player, but you do need others to help you around. But he can just break up play and distribute it. And yeah, I've been really impressed with Fulham, and he's a big reason why. Like their midfield looks was an issue before when they've come into the Premier League, and they fixed it this time around. Andres Pereira. I mean, we weren't expecting him to be quite as good as he's yeah. been, but having him with his energy, and then Paulinho in there, and Harrison Reed. Um, been really impressed with Harrison Reed as well. Um, but Paulinho, yeah, for sure takes the eye, and is definitely one of my favourite transfers uh, of of all the clubs in world football, especially in the Premier League. Um, I'll move on to my third and final favourite transfer, uh, and it's Bubakar Camera, another another league. This is the fourth league midfielder yeah. out of six picks. Um, you I think, think we've got a little bit of bias towards yeah, a certain league. Yeah. I think we might like league on just a yeah. little bit, um, but I mean for good reason. I mean picking up Camera on a free Aston Villa um, from Marseille. It's the type of deal that I mean Chelsea should easily probably have been thinking about United yep, should have been United, thinking yeah. about and it's like it's the fact that he's on a free transfer as well it's like it was so little risk for any of the big teams to go and pick him up and obviously you may be expecting an adaption period but and even if it didn't work out he's signed him for a free you can sell him for a profit anyway mm. so there was literally no risk in signing him and Villa pulled the trigger really early they got it done really really early um, and he slotted in seamlessly I mean Villa this season I mean we'll get on to our thoughts in the Premier League so far, but Villa have been pretty, pretty woeful, and their midfield has actually been an issue, but I don't think Cameron's been to blame for that. I'd say their newly appointed captain, John McGinn, has been a far more culpable part of that. Mm. I don't think he's been at the level that he's shown previously when he was getting linked to United, which was a, that was a different time. Which yeah, is a weird time, yeah. but um, as for Cameron, yeah, at Marseille, Really, really impressive. I mean, I like the way he used to just drop into the centre half. Mm. Like he can play at centre back, and that's when he plays at DM. He does have that, you know, tendency to drop in, pick up the ball, centre back split wide, and he's just so comfortable in possession. Like you can give it to him any like any way, and he will just yeah, he, he'll he find can, a way he out. He can play on that three sixty angle. He'll, he'll completely easily, find yeah. a way out, and that's what's so impressive. It's some players are limited to playing one way, and mm. like that's fine if that's the, the tactical system that suits you, and that's all you need to do. But mm. having a player that can isn't limited by that is so helpful and it's something that Gerard should be utilising a lot more than he has um, so I'm not going to place any blame on camera for Villa's poor start because I still think he's been pretty decent but I think he's got a lot more to offer as well mm-hmm. when Villa get a little bit better yeah. do, you, you do you think with you know, Villa's uh, centre-back issues right now with Diego Carlos out injured and Ming sort of you, you don't know what Tyrone Mings you're yeah, going to get yeah. from game to game. Do you think yeah. that could be a potential option, it dropping Cameron into centre-back? It could be, for sure. I mean, uh, I don't know how, if Gerard bought him thinking he's going to play DM, um, especially because, like, Douglas Louise, 
I quite like him, but he's not a DM. Like he is an eight. Like I've I've seen him play six so many times, and I'm just like I just don't think you're a six. I think you're an eight. Like yeah. what he brings is he's. I don't think he can stay central and just hold a position. Like he is quite almost like Fred in terms of he just does like to sort of go out and press Rome, and stuff. Yeah, yeah and and then you can't yeah. limit him to a six role. Um, so then if you don't do that, you've got Marvellous Nakamba, and I'm not quite sure he's of the level of mm. camera. So it's it's whether Gerard would rather have a potentially poor centre-back pairing or a poor DM role, and I think it's a, an option that he certainly could use because camera did it at Marseille, but I obviously I prefer him at DM. I yeah. don't know what you what do you think. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I, I think you, you need them sort of... If you want to play a six, you you need that a six that can play on all angles. And I don't think Douglas Louise maybe on the ball, but in terms of defensively, we, we've seen him for the last two or three years get absolutely done yeah. in midfield in terms of just not having the legs to really cover all the ground. And when he does commit, he just leaves spaces wide open. And it it, it begs the question: why why did Arsenal think they they could play? Douglas Louise at six because he's just not that. Yeah, he's I just can't not that imagine. Player. I can't imagine. Why, why were they in for him? Unless they were viewing him in the Jacker role where he gets forward, but I, I, I imagine it would more be in the six role yeah. because they've got more options there. You've got Fabio Vera can play, go play at eight. Mm. Like you, you should be. as well. Yeah, Lukonga's definitely better there than yeah. it would be at, at six. Um, so I'm not sure why yeah. why Arsenal were coming in for Douglas. It's a bit of a, a last minute panic bid, oh, it, wasn't it, it from, was, from Eddie? I mean, we needed uh, we needed a couple of them on deadline day. Yeah. Panic buys are the epitome of a, of a good transfer window, and we certainly got a few of them. Mm. Um, well, we said our three favourite transfers of the Premier League, so I think we'll just go on to our actual thoughts on the start of the season so far. I'll bring up the table now, so we can just have a little bit of a look. Um, we might as well start with the team at the top of the table. Um, obviously lost their last game um, but Arsenal impressed? Definitely impressed yeah I had had fairly decent expectations for them this season I thought they'd definitely challenge for top four but I think now with the the way they started with the way even though they lost they performed Old Trafford I think they're definitely not guaranteed top four but they're definitely going to be there right till the very end in terms of challenging I think Obviously, you know, there's no secret that Gabby Jesus has been, in terms of for their overall play, a revelation compared to Lacazette, who yep, was yep. definitely a hindrance for for them as a possession-based side. Um, and obviously Zinchenko, the, the way he sort of switches with Xhaka and drops into midfield, so good. Yeah, no, it's, it's they been... picked that. Those two have picked that up really nicely, really yeah, quickly. Yeah, straight away. I didn't, I didn't like as you saw it from pa- the Palace game. I wasn't expecting to see it so quick. Yeah. Like those two, just in, Jacker goes, Zinchenko tucks inside, Zaka goes forward. I, I guess that's what you get when when you spend that long with Pep Guardiola at City. Yeah. You, you sort of become tactically flexible for any manager ever. Like um, he provides so yeah. much weight. If you've been coached by Pep, I think it it provides so much. You, yeah, you, your understanding your of the game and your flexibility just becomes you know so much better. And um, now, obviously, they've still got issues in terms of, you know, maybe right back could Ben White, you know, last there for an entire season. I, I think performing uh, performing the role that Arteta's asked of him now, it's a good fit. Yeah, but I do, I do think if you've got a, pro- to be fair, first game of the season, pocketed Zaha, I thought he was really good. Yeah, in that no, game. I thought he was very solid. But it's him. just whether you do if you. Thing is, they've got with Odegaard especially. They've got the creative outlet, but it's whether you do want a right back who is gonna. If Zinchenko's tucking in, do you want against a weaker team perhaps? Do you want a, a right back overlapping? Because what I think has been the counter of having Ben White 
is that Saka's been so wide. Yeah. Like, he's been so wide. Like, Similar to Salah. Like, he's too wide. So, like, last season he was obviously still playing on the right. Like, in essence, you think his position hasn't changed, but the way he's playing the position has changed, and I think that's, you know, it's helped Arsenal, like Arsenal top of the league, mm. but it's not helped Saka. Um, and Arteta will argue and think, well, it's for the good of the team. Obviously, there's certain moments where you do want one of your best players, if not your best play- your best player, to, to turn up. Mm. And Saka has maybe been limited by the role that he's playing this season, which has still made the Arsenal top of the league, but yeah. it's, it's, it's hindered his game. I, I also think there's an opportunity, perhaps, if, if Gabriel's level of performance sort of doesn't improve, Within the next couple of games, do you move Ben White back to centre back and put Tommy Asu yeah. out on the right, and yeah. you become a, Tommy Asu was good last season. Yeah, Arsenal fans love him as well. Yeah, no, 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 no. we've heard that enough from Jules. But, um, you know, um, having a bit more of a, of a threat on the right hand side with Tommy Asu that could definitely, you know, add another dimension to Arsenal's game. Yeah, for sure. We'll move on to to the second place team, Manchester City. Um, feels weird to see Man City not top of the table, mm. but. Um, you know, dropped a couple of points, a couple of draws in there, um, but it's clear to see that they've changed their style of play. Um, they've, it may not seem completely obvious, but they've got a number nine. They've got, they've got the best number nine in the world, arguably in terms of just scoring goals. Yeah, City have just changed their style, having signed Erling Haaland, and it's credit to Pep Guardiola, I think, in terms of the fact he's able to adapt his style. He's not fixated to one style of play, obviously. There's facets of the game that are very, very similar. I mean, this season we've seen the double inverted fullbacks rather than the, mm. the sole one in Jao Cancelo last season. But I think the main takeaway take from this season for Manchester City has to be the fact that they've got Kevin De Bruyne and they've got Erling Haaland and that means goals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that this is probably the, the first time they've had... You know, Pep Guardiola sides had a, a sort of... Not a target man, but a, a, a player who's not going to drop deep probably since Lewandowski. In, in terms yeah. of buying, because yeah. Aguero was always sort of dropping into the pockets and trying to find space all the time. But yeah, no, it, it just shows that you know th- this idea that Pep needs all, footballers, like players who always want to drop deep all the time. You know, it, it's a myth basically. If you get Haaland up there and just pin him against centre backs, he will just create chances galore. Yeah, he the way he, it's easy to say oh he's just a lot of the time is, is spacing behind, but the way he is able to hold off defenders when played through one-on-one. There's, mm. there's a couple of occasions I've seen goals um, that against Palace, for example, like he's played f- through and he just, just gets his arm out and just, just holds people off while running at stupid speed. Mm. And it's just the composure as well after that. Obviously, his Community Shield performance led to a lot of um, well, criticism online, I think it's fair to say, pr- yeah. pretty early criticism. People thinking, oh, he's, he's not cut out for this. He's faced a, a real yeah. defender in Van Dijk. Yeah, and, there's, and there's a lot of receipts that are currently getting pulled up from that game that, that uh, aren't looking good for most of the Dar- time. Darwin Nunes is, is clear of Haaland, is yeah. one of them that's not looked so good um, six games into the Premier League <laughs> season. Um, but yeah, Haaland is... I think What I think has just been so impressive is the fact that yeah, he's got the physical attributes, of course. Like he's so quick, he's so strong. He's able to make like the goal he scored against Sevilla. I know it's not in the Premier League, but he made up so much ground to make mm. to touch in De Bruyne's cross for his first goal that it's so impressive. But it's also just the timing of it. Like you can you can't mark that. Like De Bruyne, you can maybe stop the supply, but he puts that cross in. You're level with Haaland as a defender. You're like, okay, we're in a good position here, and like that, he's just spun second, and he, yeah. and he's and he's gone and he's five yards ahead of you. And you're like, how have you done that? He's just that good, and I think it's it's the cutting it like in a second. City can score a goal. Yeah. Before it's 
pass in play, slow. Mm. They'll, they'll create a chance. It, it, it's it'll lead to a cutback. Yeah, it leads to a cutback and, and a goal. Yeah. Now it's they can do that, and then in an instant, nothing, it's a goal. Yeah. And then you obviously they've still dropped points, but it feels like it's inevitable. It's going to happen again. And mm. like we saw it in against West Ham in that game. Like West Ham were playing pretty well. Harlan won the penalty and then they stepped up and then it's the ball in behind and it's the goal and that's the worry you have it's, if you step up against City mm. then you've got Harlan in behind which is a pretty scary prospect yeah he's just a freak of nature, nature isn't he he's just it's like he's been built in a lab how to create the perfect number nine let's make him six foot four let's make him absolutely rapid like Mbappe level yeah, speed yeah literally and you saw it against Newcastle um, although he didn't score in this particular occasion you see him getting behind Against Botman and Botman's no slouch when it comes no. to you know tracking back uh, and recovery speed, and he just absolutely just sends him flying. I mean, it's a scary thought for the rest of the Premier League. And uh, what was it? Um, Premier League managers have come together and you know tried to formulate their own plans <laughs> together of how to stop Harlan because right now you know no one's got the answer. The thing is, is no one's had an answer for his whole professional career, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Salzburg, I mean, we saw it his Champions League debut, scored a hat-trick hat -trick, at, yeah. at, what, 19 or wherever it was, like Dortmund debut, scores a hat-trick, scored ridiculous goals, the amount of goals throughout his career already, and, and no one's had a solution. I know he came into it and people were suggesting the uh, the Bundesliga attacks would come into it, and it's it's not been the case at all. Like He's come in and hit the ground running and he's proven that it's he is just a, cl a class above a lot, of, mm. a lot of defenders, well, most defenders, really. Right, well, I'm aware we've uh, been rambling on about the Premier League already and we've got four more leagues to cover, but there's still a couple more points uh, I think we should talk about. Um, Chelsea, Thomas Tuchel, Graham Potter, what are your thoughts? I'm not surprised Tuchel's gone. But I am surprised at the timing of it. Obviously, you know, you just sign two hundred and eighty millions worth of players and then you sack him what, a week later? Yeah. Less than a week later. Yeah. Um but Todd Bowley ever since he's come into Chelsea has has sort of ran it like he's he's run it like United did after Fergie. I mean it's it's been very Edward Wood esque in terms of, you know, management, leadership and just the way of operating a football club. Um but just just on Tuchel it's been proven for eighteen months now at Chelsea that he he cannot get you know rhythm and tunes out of attacking players. You know um, he, he's great at setting up a defensive system, and in terms of possession in, in the first and second phases, he's got that down to a T. It's, it's it's a very high level of coaching, but when it gets to the final third, um, it's been proven time and time again that he just cannot really get you know a creative spark out of players like. Timo Werner, like Christian Pulisic, Kai Havertz. I mean, they they've all become sort of laughing stocks when yeah. it comes to Premier League attackers. Um, but hopefully, with Potter now, and I'm sure it'll be given given time by Todd. Um, you know, he he will get. You know that 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 attack. It's not it's not a a terrible attack, is it? It's, no, it's, it's definitely a decent level for for a top six side. But I, I think if he's given time, he he will certainly you know get them performing. Yeah, I think Chelsea had have had issues for a little while now in terms of attacking, you know, threat. Um, that's been evident. I mean, Tuchel's Dortmund were pretty electric in attack. I mean, mm. you saw him get such a tune out of Usman Dembele, which earned Dembele the massive move to Barcelona. Yeah. Like that was down to Tuchel's coaching and and everything. Obviously, a great player, but Tuchel played a big role in that. And the way that 
you know, good players have been made to look fairly average at Chelsea mm. in terms of the attackers is is worrying, and and that's obviously something that's the owners of the new owners have sort of taken note of because like Kai Havertz is not going to isn't a bad player overnight, but to I mean, ha- I mean Frank Lampard couldn't really get a tune out of him mm, either, but true. but I mean if Tuchel's being judged against that, I mean Frank Lampard who's struggled really at Everton, then it's not really a great comparison. Like Tuchel, you expect to get more out of a player yeah. such as that with his calibre. I mean, manager for Dortmund got such a great tune out of a Bamiang who is soon. PSG. What, what happened to that Tuchel Dortmund? I feel like PSG might have broken him or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Managing them sort of attackers has just made him go, I just want to defend and make sure <laughs> That's I'm, actually I'm a good solid. Point. It might actually be a good point because he just realised he's like, the seeing those you know players just, just not really defend much yeah. from the front, he's gone. I just need people who defend the whole the whole pitch and mm. it's, it's, it's concerning for Chelsea the start of the season has been well not good at all the mm. Everton game the first game of the season they were lucky to win that um, oh yeah the, the warning signs were just, there straight away and you yeah. see even pre-season I mean the Arsenal 4-0 loss was not a good look for Chelsea um, that sort of set the tone and uh, I think since then obviously the Tottenham result Chelsea should have won that game um, and didn't due to decisions that were made by the referee but <laughs> um since then, yeah, losses to Leeds, losses to Southampton, to Zagreb. Um, and it's not just losses, it's the manner of the losses. Yeah. It's Leeds being completely pressed off the park too cool, picking Conor Gallagher in a game where you know Leeds are going to press because that's what Jesse Marsh has installed in them. Yeah. And you're playing Gallagher in a double pivot. I mean, I think Conor Gallagher has a lot of quality and he showed that at Palace on loan, but he's not a double pivot player. He's not a player who thrives in possession. He's a player who thrives when making runs beyond, when pressing and getting into goal-scoring areas. I mean, that's not what you do as a double pivot, like, at all. So that was a baffling decision. Um, Obviously, midfield injuries don't, you know, help that. But, I mean, he ended ended that game with with Loftus-Cheek as a sole six. I mean, just start Loftus-Cheek, you'd imagine. Then you could play in in midfield alongside Jorginho. You could play Rhys James in his preferred position at right wing-back rather than right centre-back. So decisions like that are a bit strange. And I think, I mean, it was evident from the start, I think, that Bowley was, was not convinced by Tuchel um, because of well, what we see now. He's, I think it was more a case of, of everything changed at Chelsea. Mm. Um, the ownership, everything, you know, the boardroom staff, you know, Czech's gone, Granit has gone, Bruce Buck's gone. And having a manager in place, rather than having to deal with, with signing all the players, rather than have to deal with a manager recruitment process as well, it made I think more sense to have Tuchel, someone who knows football as well, to help you know make transfer decisions and and keep something stable at the club, rather mm. than all change in one summer. Um, and yeah, and the first opportunity get rid. And I think it's harsh on Thomas Tuchel because he should have credit credit in the bank for winning Chelsea the Champions League, but at the same time. It's the here and now that really matters. You can't yeah. just look back on past glories and think that's the right decision. Like Roberto Di Matteo wasn't the right manager for Chelsea, but he got them to win the Champions League. Doesn't mean he should be their manager forever. Mm. Um, so I think yeah, a little bit harsh and Tuchel in terms of the timing. But for Chelsea, it made sense to to get rid early rather than you know keep this waiting other two because because it seemed like they were going to lose most games. Like they went into it with a seemingly really weak mindset, conceded a chance, conceded a goal, and heads went. Like you saw that against Zagreb. Yeah. And it didn't seem like Tuchel was going to be able to change that, around, turn that around, and so it makes sense to to go early for someone like Graham Potter before someone else snaps him up. Um, Graham Potter isn't truly excellent coach, and the football his Brighton side have been playing, I mean, 
been excellent. I mean, epitomised by his final game in charge, a 5-2 win over Leicester, where Brighton were brilliant. So fun to watch. I mean, you, you can just look at the players that he's improved. I mean, I saw an interview with Alexis McAllister um, just after that game. It wasn't in relation to the game, but it was in relation to Potter and his management style. And it was he um, Potter helped McAllister realise that he wasn't ready for Premier League regular football at the start. And he built him up, and now McAllister, who was came there as a, a number ten, is playing as Brighton's deepest midfielder in number mm. six role. You got Caicedo next to him, who was linked to United, came to Brighton, and has been immense there. I mean, he's made Potter's made so many players better, um, and I think him at Chelsea is an exciting prospect because he's got all the tools managerially to to make a real difference at Chelsea. And I think it's a positive for Chelsea to get a manager of of his tactical nous and everything in. Yeah, no, I totally agree. One thing I will say is I I, un- I understand and I rate that Todd Bowley has done this decision this early because I've seen United in, in, in two separate occasions wait too long to sack the manager. Mourinho in eighteen nineteen and Oli last season. We waited too long and we just basically just threw a whole season away. So, you know, with getting Potter in this early and giving him time to stamp his authority on the team, you're not just throwing away a season. You still have, you know, an opportunity to, you know, easily get into the top four. You know, you're only what three points off Brighton. So, unlike you know United's sort of hesitancy to sack managers, I like that Bowley has just gone straight away. No, this isn't working. We're going to save this season. Still, this isn't going to be just a throwaway season like United have done in the past. Yeah. Um, just lastly, before we move on, uh, Liverpool. I think it's time we talk about them. Obviously, only one loss in the Premier League so far against Manchester United. It feels like there's but more. It feels like, yeah. yeah it feel, I mean, three draws, um, seventh place at the moment. It's not a nightmare start that it's perhaps being made out to seem, but Liverpool have been a mile off what they have usually been. I think the, the Champions League loss to Napoli put that into more perspective. And I think the most notable thing is that it's happened to Klopp seven-year thing at Mainz. It yeah, no, at Dortmund. It, it's, quite, it's quite freaky it's, now. It's... it's happening at Liverpool yeah. and it's, it's the fact that if one player is performing badly you blame it on the player if the whole team is you blame it on the manager yeah. and this season you've seen Trent Alexander-Arnold take a step back Joe Gomez has not been particularly great Virgil van Dijk has been error prone yeah, really fallen off a cliff really he's been exposed I mean Virgil van Dijk's been considered the world's best defender for probably three years now mm. but the start of the season has been nowhere near that level um, mistakes in mistakes against Fulham in the first game to give away a penalty against Mitrovic mistakes to let Zaha shoot so early against Palace gave away a penalty against Ottoman against Napoli the Sancho goal for United where yeah the Wonderwall tribute act yeah. <laughs> where he stood there not closing down and Milner then has a go at him and it's concerning because and then you've even got someone like Mo Salah who's looked way off it and I think you've got a good point on and Harvey Elliott, Trent and Salah and how that dynamic's working, yeah, even though Harvey yeah. Elliott has looked really good. Oh yeah, no, I, I rate Harvey Elliott entirely as a player. I think he's he's you know, technically right up there with with some with some of the best in terms of young talents, but what you get with Harvey Elliott playing right centre mid is that he hugs the touchline, he makes the right side of the pitch basically his own. So it cramps the sort of space of Salah and Trent to do what they've been doing for the last, you know, five or six years. Despite Harvey Elliott being a very good player, I think he is sort of a hindrance to you know two of Liverpool's star men on that right hand side. And we've obviously seen it this season. Salah's average position has been way further out to the right. He's not been sort of in that inside forward position where he usually you know picks up the ball, curls it into the top bins like we've seen for the last five years. Um, 
obviously his his creative numbers have gone up. I think he's got the most uh, chances created in the Premier League this season. But um, you know, ultimately, you want Mo Salah nearer to the box scoring goals because that's you know, what he's good at. Yeah, that is his best strength. That that is what like, he's his not game Lewis, is about. He's not Luis Diaz where he's going to go and beat a couple yeah. of men. I mean, he's he's seen it a couple of times as sort of won the solo goals but he's not Luis Diaz's dribbling ability to go beat a man mm. he is just clinical in the box um, so I think it's something for Klopp to think about um, just lastly I want your thoughts on the promoted teams just a couple of sentences on, on who've come up obviously you've got Fulham who have uh, impressed us I think yeah. that's for sure you've got Bournemouth who've obviously sapped Scott Parker but have still got two wins and you've yeah. got Nottingham Forest who spent a lot of money on a 19th yeah, um, amazingly, Bournemouth and Fulham have the same amount of wins, and both on two wins. But you, you wouldn't really think that from the sort of the, the feeling around the club. Um, but obviously, Bournemouth, I, I think they will struggle this season, despite you know thirteenth right now, two wins. Um, you know that they just haven't invested enough in, in in terms of you know Premier League quality players. You know, I, th- I think Scott Parker said we had a better team last season than we do this season, which is. You know, pretty uh, damning stuff for Bournemouth <laughs> fans. Uh, but obviously, not- Nottingham Forest, um, you know, what was it, 23 signings they made? Yeah. I-, I think that it could be another case of, you know, Fulham 18 19, where they make all them big signings, you know, them Champions League sort of tier quality signings, and then it just never really comes together that they could be on for a similar season in that regard. Because you look, you look at the players they brought in, you'd think on paper, it should. It should. Work. It should work. They should be, you know, yeah. finishing twelfth, thirteenth at least. Yeah. But when you buy that many players, you know, the, the settling in period, um, you know, it, it takes a while to really, you know, get that team morale and sort of glue together. Um, obviously, with, with the break in the Premier League, maybe that allows an opportunity now to really get settled in as a squad. But um, you know, it has to happen quick because they they could be. You know, in big trouble this season. Right, that's the Premier League done and dusted. I think it's time we move on. Um, and well, of our six favourite transfers that we've three each that we've done so far, there's been four from League Gun. So why don't we go on to League Gun? Um, because I think it's a league we both feel is, you know, full of criminally, criminally underrated. Yeah, unearthed talents who are just ready to explode. And it's no surprise that we've picked some players who've moved to the Premier League as our favourite who have come from League 1 because it's a league we really, really like. Um, so, three favourite transfers in League 1. Well, I've gone for a, a Premier League export. I've gone uh, for Eric Bailly to uh, to Marseille from Manchester United on loan, I think it is. Um, obviously, you know, Bailly uh, was, was at Man United, um, a Europa League club, and he's managed to upgrade and go to Marseille, obviously. Um you know, we we've seen the quality of Man United when Eric Bailly's fit and when he's in the in the team for a sustained period, he can be a, a quality centre back. Uh, his his debut season at United, um, I, I think, is one one of the best in terms of a United centre back for the last five really, years. And I really liked him at Villarreal as well. Yes. when he came in, really really good. Um, and I think just injury problems have yeah have uh, been... a, a top top talent yeah. five or six years ago. Obviously injuries, perhaps. Maguire being favoured over him when he has been fit as well, um, but obviously you know sl- slightly erratic. But I think that's, that, that, that's, 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 the, that's the joy of Eric Bailly. Watching him is he's one of the one of the great defenders to watch because he does sort of unnatural things. Yeah, no, it's it's very unorthodox, yeah. but it gets the job done. And I, it's going to Marseille, who were pretty uh, 
erratic club, and I think yes. that's uh, that's potential for. I mean, you see Nuno Tavares going. Mm. I mean, he's pretty unorthodox too, and he's been smashing it there. Yeah, um, and obviously in Champions League midweek, you know, they go down to ten men, uh, and Bemba gets sent off, and you know, the, and until the Richarlison goal late on, they they kept some Spurs at bay. And I think Bay was a big part of that. I, I think if if given the the right game time, he can be a, a great box defender for him because. That's what he's always been. That's been his strength, you know, blocking shots on the line. You know, just really unorthodox blocks, sort of two-footed, flying in the air, but somehow gets a foot on it. It's you know incredible to watch, and I hope he gets you know the, the game time he deserves this season. Uh, just going on to the next one, I've gone for uh, Sofian Diop from <clears throat> from Monaco to Nice this season. Um, I, I was I was quite surprised. It, it's sort of a sideways move, isn't it? For, yeah, I was surprised. Up. Very surprised. Uh, was it was a deadline day signing, wasn't it? Um, obviously a top talent. You know, we saw that last year. Was it six six goals, four assists? And I think uh, in in the right system this season, he, he can maybe have that like a, a real explosive season that really puts his name across the whole of Europe as you know a top target in in terms of league on. Uh, obviously. Um, your 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 target there, um, your transfer Guerrero's gone the other way uh, to to Ren, and so they obviously needed to to find a replacement in terms of a, a dynamic attacker who can sort of you know, play it across all, all sort of front front lines uh, on in in that centre forward role on the right on the left, and I think I think they've done that perfectly with with uh, getting Sofian Diop. Good sort good signing, I think. Yeah. really really like shrewd acquisition. I mean, it's not the type of move you perhaps expect. But it's the type of move that Ligon seems to throw up quite often. Um, I mean, another one of my players is a couple of sideways moves, but mm. I think yeah, it's a good signing. I think Diop yeah has potential. He's just got a dis- I think it's just a consistency thing a little bit more. Um, I just want to see him consistently get contributions in the final third, and yeah. that'll be the next step for him. And it's the next step for a lot of players in Ligon. It's just making that jump up to to the level that you know gets you a move to the Premier League. Yeah. Um... It, it it will be interesting to see how Nice fare this season because they have made, you know, a shrewd signing like Sofian Diop, but also you know taking chances on Aaron Ramsey, uh, Ross Barkley, Ross Barkley, yeah, no real blast from the past, and Casper um, Schmeichel as well. I, I think that is a Nottingham signing. Yeah, yeah very very odd. Casper Schmeichel has been a less was a Leicester legend, but his last couple of seasons were a huge drop off. And I mean, Leicester's keeper this year, Danny Ward, has been even worse. But Casper Schmeichel was not started well at Nice either and they're 12 um, so they're going to need a little bit of a turnaround I think yeah no definitely but I, I think there will be ones to watch in terms of how, how these sort of oddball signings sort of gel together sort of like Nottingham Forest yeah. you know, can, can they get them to gel in time and actually you know go up the table uh, and finally I've gone for uh, Nordi Mukieli uh, from Leipzig to PSG uh, and, and this sort of sums up the, the sort of the uh, Lewis Campos, completely. Yeah, really his, his well. sort of deal. You know, actual smart signings, which we haven't seen from PSG. You know, for for quite some time. I don't so think. So long, and he's versatile. I like Mukiele. Obviously, can fill in at right wing yeah, back and yeah. can play where I think you want him to play, which is right centre. Right centre back. Yeah, obviously with um, Galtier playing a three four three this season, I think he just slots perfectly into that right centre back role. So he can just basically run that entire right side of the pitch from deep by himself. He's got the physical attributes for it and the, and the technical attributes. Um, you know, it, it, it's weird to say, you know, 
PSG have made a shrewd signing because that's usually not the case. But <laughs> with, with Lewis, Lewis Campos at the wheel with Galtier as well, because I'm sure he has some oh, sort yeah, of completely some sort of uh, contribution to the transfers. Um, you know, it's just it's a great business along with you know Renato Sanchez and, and Bettina as well. Yeah, yeah, completely. I think PSG have done great business and um, start the season well. Really eye-catching performances and Galtier mm. has got a you know, a real good thing going with that front three and found a balance that doesn't, you know, sacrifice them defensively, which I think will help them in the Champions League, which is ultimately their, you know, goal. The holy grail yeah. for them, yeah. Winning Ligue 1 is yeah. not really enough anymore. Mm. It's the Champions League. Um, right, I think I'll move on to my three favourite signings from Ligue 1 then. I'll make this quick. Uh, first of all, I mean, Guiri, you mentioned it. Um, you know, the, the guy that Diop has replaced at Nice. Um, he's gone back to Rennes, um, scored on his return to Rennes. Um, I really like Amin Garoui I think he's a really really good player I think he's had a little bit of a dip off in, you know, drop off in form of late went a, a massive goal drought in Ligue 1 which is disappointing for a player of his talent mm. um, but obviously he left Rennes to get game time because he just wasn't favoured there found it at Nice became a star there and has now gone back home which is a, a story I can fully get behind I like a good uh, a com- comeback story mm. um, and I think that yeah, Ren are always just really interesting. I mean, their academy system is brilliant, and I think that they've got potential to be really good this year. And someone like Guiri is he's he adds a lot, I think, to to their attack. I mean, they've got <laughs> Doku, Suleimane, who are just rapid. Yeah. But Doku injury problems. Suleimane had injury problems again. They those two are pretty inconsistent in terms of final third goal scoring as well. And as while Guiri had his drought. He is normally a reliable goal scorer, and I like him in that um, left-hand pocket in between the right back and the centre back, and and he can really exploit that space. And I think he's got a lot of tools at his disposal. Um, and I think yeah, he could be a really good signing. I don't know what your thoughts are on. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I think um, you know, in, in terms of his goal scoring drought, I think you know the weight will be lifted off his shoulders by the fact that Martin Terrier is there, and he's obviously had his his, his breakout season last season in yeah. terms of goal scoring. Lots of goals. Yeah. Um, but also, Guerrero is someone who I think eventually could make that step up to a, a top six. There was club. the links with Liverpool. Yeah, that, that was that was it was the Mane replacement. I yeah, think he, as one of them. Uh, but he's also a perfect Firmino replacement. I think. I, I think, think he can play up front as well. Yeah, I think yeah. he can easily play that sort of Firmino role where he drops deep and just sort of creates chances for the likes of Salah and Diaz. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think this is true business by by Ren as as it always is. Yeah, for sure. I'll move on to my second uh, transfer then. It's, it's Jonathan Klaus. Uh, this is another kind of sideways move, but he has gone to Champions League football with Marseille, so I guess it is a, an upgrade. But Lons have been really good um, the last couple of years, and Klaus has been a big reason for that. Um, obviously, got his first France senior call up last season, um, fully deserved, given that Deschamps is playing moved to a, a wing back system, and he's probably been the standout wing back in. League on last season, I'd say even over Ashraf Hakimi. Um, obviously, played as a right back, but I think Klaus was better last season. I really think he's such a, a good, good player. Like his deliveries from the right are just like so good. They're such a weapon. Lons used it loads, and I think Marseille have already used it a fair bit already. Um, I mean, you've seen his cross for Tavares to finish wing back to wing back. Uh, that's already come off, and I think yeah, he just adds a lot down the right. I mean, it's. It's quality that you need in this kind of level, and yeah, his crosses. I mean, it's just such a good weapon. You've seen Trent for Liverpool, how dangerous a good crosser from right back can be, mm. and Klaus is similar. You see Rich James at Chelsea, and Klaus is similar in the way he just is so 
able to just pick out the perfect cross, what, no matter what the cross is, whether it's a low-driven one, whether it's a lofted one to the bat stick. Mm. I just really like the the variation he has on his crosses, and I think he's also a pretty two-way. You'd, you'd imagine that he'd be a, a pretty attacking fullback, uh, wing back the way that he's played, but he's also pretty comfortable going backwards, and I think he adds a lot to his game. Marseille was, he had a lot of change. Igor Tudor coming in, um, Sampaoli out, Saliba mm. out, that kind of thing, but yeah, Klaus is a, a very good signing, I think. I'm not sure. If you, I, I feel like we're both fans of him. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think it's also the, the delivery on both feet. He can easily just cut inside, cut inside. and put that in swinger in on his left foot, which you know not, not many uh, fullbacks in the world can do that. Let's no. say Reese James, Trent, that they have that in their locker. But in terms of other right backs across Europe, I, I think he's sort of in that ta- in that top echelon. <laughs> and also, I, I think. I mean, it's Deschamps, so you never know. But he should he should be starting at the World I Cup. I believe he should. Yeah, it's the fact that when Deschamps moved to that system to start with, he rotated with Kingsley Coman as a right wing back on Benjamin Pavard. I mean, yeah. Coman's clearly a winger, and Pavard's clearly if you're playing a back three, a right centre back in a back three, mm. not the wing back, which is also where Kunde would play, which is where you have a few dilemmas. But Klaus is a standout option in that yeah, position, the, I think. The, the right side for France at the World Cup will be interesting to see how he sets them up because you have. Obviously, Coman shouldn't be playing there, but he has, in the international friendlies, been at that level where you think just, he, he can work there I'm just somehow. Not, yeah, I'm not sure if Deschamps is going to be bold enough to play Klaus. Although, no. having Kunde right centre back, Klaus there, and then Dembele just in front would be tasty. Very nice. He does seem quite scared to play like the non-big names, doesn't he? Yeah, he took a while to, to bed Chouameni in, and it was only really because Kante's injury issues yeah. that he started playing him. So be interested to see if he day shops. Um, anyway, my final favourite transfer from Ligue 1 is Mo Camera to Monaco from Salzburg. Um, Monaco are pretty good at having centre midfielders, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. many <laughs> Fofana, yeah. Kamara now. Um, yeah, he's slotted in seamlessly. Just compl- like Chouameni's gone, and Chouameni's an, an incredible player, but... He's not really been missed too much at Monaco, I don't think, already. Like, mm. Camera's slotted in and, and done the role perfectly. I mean, their, their midfield is just so good, him and Fafana. It is such good balance. And I, I just... It's hard to quantify how good he is because he's he's only played a few games, but he has already made an impact mm. and he's not looked out of place. I mean, you come from Salzburg and you've sometimes seen players, you know, not quite hit the ground running when they've left the Austrian division because it's not quite so strong. Mm. But in, he's in terms in. of the physical level as well, yeah. the step up to league gun, yeah. yeah, and he's it's not troubled him at all. He's taken it in stride. He's such a combative midfielder who's also got such technical class on the ball. And I don't worry about him being pressed. I don't worry about him being overrun. He's a type of midfielder alongside Fafana who won't lose a midfield battle convincingly. There won't be an, an instance where you're thinking those two have just lost that midfield oh, yeah, battle. They'll, they'll, never, they'll never be the a pushover, will they? They've, they've, yeah. they've cost Monaco the game. Yeah. That will never happen. And that is such a boost because there's a lot of teams, especially in Ligue 1, who you could probably could say that for. Mm. And that's such a boost, especially when you're coming against, up against PSG, which is going to be the real test. Obviously, they've played them, drawn against them. Yeah, great result. And it's like when you're playing against two technically proficient midfielders in Verratti and Vitinha it's like you can sort of get passed around and Messi dropping in deep Neymar dropping in deep it can be harder especially when you're looking in front and you've got to turn backwards because you're seeing Messi and yeah, Neymar behind yeah, you yeah there's just so much going on that around could, that you could yeah. be, and they didn't get overrun yeah. and that's that's the main thing and Mo Camera's been excellent yeah I, I think we, we saw that tonight against Leon as well the, the amount of times he can sort of you know play that pass to break the lines as well that that, that is obviously a, a, a great asset for a midfielder like like yeah, because they were under the cosh a little bit from Leon. Leon, yeah. obviously, a very possession-heavy side with their midfield, Lepanon, Kakare, yeah. so technically proficient and so good on the ball that the Monaco did have to sit back and counter. And 
and he's got the attributes for winning it back and distributing it and not losing it. Mm. We've got someone like Mbola who will run the channels. It works perfectly, I think. Um, just a little touch on Ligue 1 itself, the start of the season. Um, we've discussed PSG a little bit already. They've been pretty good. But I think it's worth noting Marseille that they are level on points with PSG. Um, tumultuous summer getting rid of Sampaoli, Tudor coming in, and, and Marseille have looked pretty good. But do we imagine PSG just run away with it still? I, I think it will be, yeah. I think when you have a manager of Galtier's sort of tactical nous, and also that his man management, I think, as well, has been perfect so far. Whereas Poch's, you know, it's, it seemed like the whole dressing room was falling out after every game. <laughs> Um, but yeah, obviously Marseille have, have started well. With, you know, changing the manager, losing like the likes of Saliba. But you know, the, the start has been the transition's been seamless so far. But I think eventually it, it will become too much for them, and you know, PSG will just run away with it. Yeah, I think Ligue 1 is really PSG will win the league, but the battle after that is really interesting yeah. for European places. P- I mean, it's the same as Serie. A, I think the quality in that is is good. That's for the for, for top spot as well. But Ligue 1 has got a really good mix of teams who who are you're thinking yeah you're a good team and, and I don't know where I don't know where you're going to finish even mm. Lille who had a really off year last year been really good this year Jonathan David I mean, he started the first game of the season on the right wing looked really good mm. moved back in the centre looked really good again I mean he went on a massive goal drought at the end of last season which put off potential suitors I think and which yeah. Lille will probably be pretty thankful he didn't score many goals at the end of the season because it meant they could keep hold of him and he started the season really well um, and yeah you got Monaco Leon. Lons. Like, there's so many teams there that you yeah. just and there's there's most weeks you've got a, a game between them. And you can you can test you can see how good they are because there's so many teams that are in and around themselves, they're always playing each other. Yeah, it, it does feel like every game uh, uh, in in terms of from second to eighth is like a, a real like a real decider in terms of yeah. where, where the places are gonna be. Um but obviously what what happens each year is you know, Marseille will will be up there, and then suddenly they'll drop off to tenth because you know they get raided, and then suddenly they've they've just got nothing in, in terms yeah. of quality. And I, I think that's the, the sort of the joy of League One is in, in terms of them top four places. Obviously, PSG are pro- probably a lock in bar in the, uh, the Lille uh, title winning season. Um, but after that, it is really just you know a lottery for who who can pick up them Champions League spots. Right, enough league on chat. I think we could go on for days and days about yeah. league on, but I think it's time we move on to Serie A. Three favourite transfers from the Italian top flight. Jamie Monks, hit me. Uh, I've gone for for two Napoli players. I've gone for Tongi and Dombele. It's probably it's probably a hot take at this point because it, it, it seems like he. He's just not going to work at a top-flight football club anymore in terms of his effort levels, his energy and his overall love for the game in terms of you know trying to do the job and the role for the team. But if he can, and it's obviously a big if, if he can get that mindset and that headspace into the right, into the right gear, he's one of the most talented midfielders in the world. He's got all the tools at his disposal, yeah. really. He has got all the tools, and it? it's just such a shame to have seen how it went at Spurs after having that great um, that great spell under Mourinho uh, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think it's a shame because his stock has dropped so much because of the time at Tottenham. But yeah. when he left Leon, it was wow, uh, this guy is high, yeah. yeah, this this guy is serious, and he was tearing it up. He, he he's a player who could win a midfield battle on his own. He, yeah, he had everything, um, and I think at Napoli, it's interesting to see. I mean. 
what their preferred. I mean, it hasn't. He hasn't seemingly made the their preferred starting lineup. I mean, you saw against Liverpool in the Champions League, it was it was Lobotka deep with Van Gieser, Zielinski there, who mm. I think Zielinski's had an excellent start to the season. Um, but Domley's not first choice. But it'll be interesting to see if he can make a spot his own because. I mean, if, if you can get a tune out of Ndombele, yeah. then you've got a serious player on your hands. Uh, you, you've got one of the most aesthetically pleasing midfielders, probably, I mean, one of the best I've ever seen yeah. in, in terms of, you know, the press resistance. I mean, there's times when he's been in the Champions League uh, for Lyon against the likes of City and Barcelona. The Barcelona game, yeah. that Barcelona game. They, 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 there came a point good. where they just said, right, we're not going to press him because it's a waste of time. Yeah. We're just going to lose a man in, in terms of defence because you just cannot get the ball off him. And obviously that's you know many moons ago now. But if he can, and it's obviously a big if. If if he can get back to that sort of level, in in terms of effort as well, because I think what what you see a lot of the times in terms of uh, his his performance now is he just doesn't look like he wants to be there. Yeah, and, and it's and, such and, a shame. And that, and that's something that might never change. But it it's just so frustrating because he's got all that talent in the world, and you just. You just want to see him fulfil it all, but you know this this Napoli move, this loan move, it does seem like um, you know last chance saloon it for, for Tangi. It actually might be because yeah, if it doesn't work here, it's it's what other cl- club are going to you know take a take, chance, take on a chance yeah, because yeah. obviously the wages that he's on are, are probably quite high. You know, he was on two hundred k a week at Spurs, which is well, and yeah. they spent a lot of money on him. They want to recoup at least a little yeah, bit of that. Yeah. Daniel Levy's not going to, you know, set a low bar in terms of, you know, asking price. Um, but if he gets a good run in the team and and he can sort of sort out his mindset, there's no doubt that he could be one of the best midfielders in in Serie A this season. Um, uh, we're going to stick with uh, Napoli's midfield, and uh, I'm going to go for Frank Zambo and Gisa. Yeah, obviously completed that move. Uh, from Fulham, obviously on loan last season, uh, and after the performance levels last season, there was no doubt that Napoli were going to make it permanent. Yeah, for sure, he was um, so good. Yeah, quite similar in terms of attributes to Ndombele. That they're obviously both extremely press resistant. We saw that against Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, he was r- roulette past Thiago. That was at, at will. That was <laughs> it, 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 that was that was so nice. It, to see. it seemed like he he was basically controlling it. With like it was like yeah. a FIFA game, wasn't it? Yeah, in, it in terms of yeah, just taking insane. it away. Yeah, it's the fact that he can do that, and he can also do the other side of the game so well. Like he wins the ball back so much, yeah. and it's like, well, how have you got? How have you, how are you everything you want in the midfield? Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, he has got it all. Um, obviously, the, the energy and intensity and in his pressing is obviously that way, and, and Dumbley uh, hasn't quite got that. Um, and uh, the goal he scored against Liverpool, what really, really didn't expect it from. Yeah, from from Geese, he, he's not a guy to you know finish like with that sort of composure in that situation a, a lot of the time. Yeah, near post. Near post, it just squeezes it past Allison, who obviously one of the best one v one keepers in, in, in the world. Um, and I, I think he's he's going to be if Napoli are going to you know, really challenge maybe for the title this season. I think he's going to be such an important part of that. Uh, for, for if, if they keep him fit, obviously no, no serious injuries. I think he's going to be a real a, a real anchor in there for Napoli. Yeah, for sure. I think Napoli have got a really good system going there. Um, I'm going to mention what, another one of their new signings uh, mm-hmm. in my part, but yeah, Napoli look good. Um, so I'm I'm really impressed and I'm really encouraged that Napoli could. Could have a title charge like they did under Sarri back back in the day. Mm. 
Uh, and finally, the uh, the third signing, uh, I've gone for Jeremy Boga, sort of sort of a forgotten man in in Syria, really. You yeah. know, after that um, that breakout season in nineteen slash twenty, um, you know, he, he looked absolutely unplayable uh, at, at, at Swallow at times. So you can't get the ball off him. It, yeah, so, in, in terms yeah. of you know one v one dribbling, it, it's like. It, it reminds me of Eden Hazard. Yeah, it, in, in terms it of so good. explosiveness, the change of direction, the fact that it just stays glued to his feet. Um, you know, it when he's on song like he was in that season, he can be unplayable. And obviously, he's at Atalanta now. Uh, they've had a decent start to the season, and um, you know, if if he can get regular minutes at, at Atalanta, which you know he hasn't at the start of the season, I think yeah. if if the, he can get. In, into the right shape and in, into the right vein of form, I think he could be, you know, a, a huge part of their squad in terms of challenging for for top four at least, and maybe even the title. Yeah, for sure. I think he's not the regular type of player that Gasparini would, you know, keep his eye on and want to play regularly. He's not quite the the mould that Gasparini mm. has played with his attackers um, since he's been at Atalanta, but I think he's got the talent, and it's just it's just rediscovering that form. It's a case of it needs to kickstart his career because it's gone a little bit stale recently. Um, and yeah, like you say, that Sassuolo spell was was so encouraging. I think there was talk of going to Leicester at one point, and mm. that would have been pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what what Jeremy Boger can do if he gets regular minutes. Because like you say, he's got the talent there. Yeah, it's just delivering. But even say if he doesn't start, having that bench, having that, that option a, off the yeah. bench, that one v one specialist where you just go, all right, just take on the fullback every time because you will skin him every time because he is that sort of level of dribbler and level of you know one v one specialist. Yeah, for sure. Right, I'll move on to my favourite transfers in Serie A. Then we'll start uh, in the capital, uh, Milan, with Charles de Ketelar. Um, I love CDK. I think he's really, really good, and it's fixing an issue that Milan have have had um, in terms of relying on Rafael Leal so much. You mm-hmm. need some creativity from elsewhere, um, and CDK provides that. And I think he was excellent in Belgium, the top talent really to come out um, of Club Bruges. And yeah, I think that he's the type of player that can affect Milan can like impact Milan's title chances in a good way obviously I think he's the type of player that's going to be a, a great signing for them in the long term as well and, and he's hit the ground pretty decently I've been quite impressed with, with how he's performed so far and he's he's a strange player to look at because you look at him and you, you see a really tall figure and you wouldn't quite expect him to have the, the dribbling ability that he does mm. but he, his game is not a target man at all I mean, no. you, you couldn't be further from the truth if you said that Um but yeah, just just left foot is of absolute gold. Um, the weight of pass, you see, you know, his through balls are delicious. Like you see some of them, they're just absolutely mm. incredible. And I just can't wait for him and Rafael Liao to get in proper tandem and Rafael Liao getting on the end of them. Yeah, that, that's a title-winning sort of partnership they yep. can form right there so easily. Uh, and I also think that the fact that he's got Belgium minutes already yeah. under his locker as well is huge. You know, he, he, he can play at the highest level so to speak and obviously you know Champions League now he's getting them minutes minutes in for uh, for AC um but yeah no I really like this signing you know once again we've seen it over the last two or three years you know Milan are being run they've rectified yeah, their transfer strategy after years almost a decade of just absolute 
you know, dross being signed. Basically, they they finally sort it sort it out, and you know, obviously won the title last season, and you know, going to be challenging again this year. Yeah, for sure, their transfer strategy has been on point for sure. Um, move on to my next one, which is is Paolo Dybala to Roma. Um, obviously, he was it was a tearful end to his spell at Juventus. Uh, he was obviously crying in his his final home game, um, saying goodbye, um, and it looked like for all the world he was going to join Inter going to cross that divide the Juve Inter divide which isn't done too often um, isn't for the light hearted um, but ended up at Roma under Jose Mourinho uh, which is just pretty fun that's mm. the main reason I selected this transfer is Paolo Dybala on his day which was probably five years ago now <laughs> yeah, quite a while ago was really fun to watch and he was he was the heir to Messi at Barcelona um, remember his Champions League performances where he scored a double was it it was against, was against Barcelona, Barcelona. Yeah. I was, yeah I thought it was um and yeah, that was when he was like people really stood up and took notice of Dybala. Obviously, he was impressive at Palermo in his mm. younger days. Made the move to Juve and looked really good. Um, last year wasn't amazing for him, and he's had injury issues. Um, and it's a shame because on the on his day, we've mentioned this with a couple of players. Now it's the talent is there. It's it's applying that consistently. But at Roma, I think in a setup under Mourinho, it's just pretty fun. With Tammy Abraham, Zaniolo, Pellegrini. Dybala, Jose Mourinho, it's just a fun mix for me, and I think yeah. that's that's one of my favourite transfer. Perhaps not the best transfer in Serie A. I'm not expecting Dybala to to recreate his levels from 16, 17, but uh, I think it's a, a fun signing, and especially considering Zaniolo has had obviously two ACL injuries to yeah. different ACLs, got no luck there. Mm. If something like that happens again, then you've got a you've got Dybala to step up. Obviously, he's going to play anyway, but yeah, really step up and yeah, excited. It is incredible what happened to Dybala over the last four or five seasons, isn't it? It's, it's like he got when he got linked to Spurs and United, it, it just, just getting mentioned alongside them clubs just made him fall off a cliff in terms of <laughs> in terms of you know uh, sort of prestige across Europe. And, and obviously now, it, like many of these signs, like Bailly and Dombele, Boga, it, it does seem like not not sort of the last chance, but. Certainly, certainly, yeah, it, it could be the last chance for Dybala to really, you know, um, you know, still be a, regarded as a top player at a, at a top club. Yeah, well, one player who is certainly being regarded as a top player at a top club is my final favourite transfer in Serie A, which is Kovica Kvaratskhelia. I think I've well pronounced done. that correctly. Um, the Georgian sensation that's taken Naples by storm. Um, I first saw... Faradona, as he's been nicknamed, nice. when he was uh, playing for Ruben Kazan in Russia. Um, the thing that caught my eye was just look. I obviously, I'm not a Russian Premier League fan. I don't really delve into to Ruben Kazan games too often. But I do remember just sifting through some stats websites and caught my eye. His, his dribble numbers were insane. I think it was six per ninety or something. And I thought, oh, this 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 could be something special. So you go on YouTube, you watch a few highlights, and I thought, yeah, this is this is a player who could make a step up to a top five league. Um, took a little while, went back to Georgia um, in January, I think it was, uh, and then has, has made the move to Napoli. I think a couple of teams had been keeping an eye on him, and they pulled Napoli pulled the trigger, and well, they've been reaping the wars ever since because mm. he has been insane at the start of the season. I mean. We talked about Anquisa loving a roulette. I think Kraut Skelly certainly does. Yeah, he's, I've seen, he's got competition at yeah, Napoli, hasn't he? Yeah. That um, effort, he's cut inside, roulette, inside about 30 yards out, smashed the post. Um, but yeah, he's scored a lot already. He's he's made an impact at Napoli. I mean, I didn't expect it this quickly yeah. for him to be like the guy. 
Um, but he is the guy. Like we saw it against Liverpool. Yeah. Like, he was so good. Like he, I mean, he's. You look at him. You don't think he's, he bodies Joe Gomez for for Simeone's goal. He's he's got Trent on toast. Mm. And I think yeah, he's just he's just so fun to watch. Like he might not complete all the dribbles he attempts, and you might sometimes think, oh, just play it safe. But he brings joy to watching football, yeah. and Napoli fans absolutely love him. I don't blame him because he has been sensational. I, I think it's also the, the intensity as, uh, as a winger. It's all hundred. It's hundred yeah, miles an hour. Yeah, it's it's you know he's relentless. He he will not give you, you know, a moment. Um, a moment's like breath and, and a break. Um, he's quite similar to Federico Chiesa in that sort of regard. It's yes. just you know a barrage of just dribbling straight at you, straight at you. If you don't come and you know, um, yeah, engage me, I'm just going to take a shot. And you know, with my quality, I will probably. He does love check. a shot from yeah. range, but it's like if you're backing off, you might as well. And, yeah. And he's he's scored scored goals already and, and made a difference and he could be the guy that that fires Napoli to the title and mm. I mean Osimhen obviously went off injured in, in Napoli's win over Liverpool in the Champions League but those two are already starting to form a partnership and I think yeah it's you I mean Milan have got Rafael Leal Napoli have got Kvaratskhel and it could be between the battle of of those two yeah. for for the Serie A title. Um, and it's weird to think that a signing they've made this summer has made this much an impact for the people away. who probably, you know, casuals won't really have heard of him before he even joined Napoli, and mm. he's suddenly the, the best player in the league, almost. Yeah. Um, oh, the, the goal against uh, Lazio last weekend, I mean, it's, it's just, there's no other way to describe it, it's world-class. The power that he gets on the ball first time across across goal is just, you know, it's out of this world, and, and that's what he's been so far, and, you know, long may it continue. Yeah, Napoli impressive. They're currently top of Serie A um, and looking good. But the thing I love about Serie A is just how close it is. I mean, you've got Napoli in top, uh, on at top, <laughs> on top of the table, I yeah. should say, on 14 points. And you go down to, to Torino in ninth place on 10. There's four points separating first till ninth. And it's Serie A doing it again. It's so close for the title, for the top four, for the European spaces. Um, and there's just so many good teams. And like Ligue 1, they're all playing each other every week. There's always there's always a game between one of these. Yeah, these there's clubs always a big you, clash on yeah. every single week. And that's what's so good. Um, and yeah, I'd just like to know your thoughts on... I First of all, actually, I want to talk about Juventus. Allegri has been criticised a lot, um, and rightfully so. I mean... They are unbeaten after six games, but they've only won two games. They've drawn four. Um, um, I think one thing that was go- doing the rounds on Twitter was Allegri's formation where they didn't have a midfield as they were circling possession. Um, and it's I think it was that was against Sampdoria, and it's it's been pretty dry, hasn't it? Uh, I think just on that midfield point, how, how there was none. Um, no midfield against Sampdoria. That happened in pre-season with... Um... United uh, in Mourinho's last season that there was a, there was like a, a throw in taken and there was an, just an entire massive gap in the middle of the pitch and that sort of that sort of told you know, sort of tells you how how Juve are right now they are sort of devoid of you know quality tactics quality players you know yeah. when you look at their their starting lineup it, it, there's obviously good players in there but it's it's a shadow of their former selves that we saw five or six years the ago the one that was dominating Serie A yeah. winning it every year it's not I mean one example I like Fabio Moretti he's a really good player mm. but he's starting in Champions League games against PSG and, and being one of their best players and it's like it's just, he's it's been relied happened. upon at 18 yeah. it's I mean in that 
I mean, it shows trust in him, but I don't think it's trust. I think it's he's, Allegri's got no other options. Mm. But it's also just Allegri has has been a poor appointment. I mean, their last couple of appointments have been poor. Juventus are will be lucky if they get top four and they get Champions League. I think. Yeah, no, de- definitely. I, I think they you know, four draws already. They're basically losses these days in terms of how how close it gets in 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 terms of them them fights for the uh, for the top four spaces. And I just think if you start in Danilo on a regular basis, you're going to be in trouble, aren't you? Yeah. Let's be honest. That he's... swap deal plus cash, obviously, with Cancelo. Uh, yeah, one of the worst <laughs> deals in their history, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I also think you know into this season they they haven't, despite you know winning four games, two losses, that they haven't been convincing. No, I don't I've, think so I've far. been I've been quite disappointed with Inter. I think I've I've mentioned it to you before that. This season, I've really noticed Scriniar and De Vrij have dropped off. I off mean, a cliff. yeah, it's their their mobility's never been something that's um, stood suit. out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's been exposed, and it's been exposed by players who you perhaps wouldn't like. For the goal that Rafael Liao scored in the derby, both of them got completely taken out of the game. I mean, De Vrij, it was worse his role, and it was worse than Scriniar. But both of them, it's pretty poor. I'll let them off slightly because it's Rafael Liao, and he's. Probably the best player in, in Serie A, but when it's happening time and time again against teams that you think Inter should be winning, and it's it's not the best player in the league that's doing it to you. It, it's most wingers, mm. and it's. I mean, I, if I was Inter, I'd be thinking, why didn't why didn't I accept that bid for from PSG for Scrinia of seventy million or whatever it was? Yeah, that, that was you, not I mean, P- PSG have got Mukiele yeah. instead for a fraction of the price, mm. who's a better player. And yeah, PSG would be pretty counted the lucky stars. They sign Mukiele instead, I mm. think. Yeah, no, just on that Leal goal, I mean, there's, there's no way of sugarcoating it. They're, they're basically just they're cones. Yeah. Like <laughs> he should not be getting through that easily. He just a li- little snap of, of, of the foot out, onto the outside, and then they're just gone. And he's through on goal. It was a, a pretty abysmal performance in, in that derby last weekend. Yeah, for sure. I think. Inter have got catching up to do, but then again, they're only two points behind Milan, yeah. so it's it's so close in Serie A as it always is. Um, and we'll move on to a league where it's it's not been so close in recent years. Um, and although there has been a suggestion that Bayern should start each game one nil down, um, that would be pretty outrageous. Yes, but they're third in the Bundesliga. They are, yeah. No, um, obviously, what was it? Two draws in a row now. Yep, I think uh, it's three draws in a row. Three draws in a row. Three yeah, draws in a row. Um, you know, obviously, when they win their first game of the season against Frankfurt, what was it, six, six or seven nil? Yeah. Um, away from home, you just think, oh, well, this is going to be another, another cakewalk to it to the to the league for Bayern. But um, they they have certainly you know come up come up against some some major hurdles in, in the last three game weeks. Um, and obviously, I, I think the signing of De Ligt, it's not it's, to partner Upa Meccano. It's not it's not a great one if if no. we're being completely honest. They cost a lot of money combined, and there's definitely issues. I mean, let's not get it wrong. Like they're very good players, but they do have issues in terms of, in terms of mobility. It's it's changing direction for Delit. That's always been a problem. Now. Always been a problem. Like even when he was at Ajax, yeah. he was so highly rated. It was then uh, Juve got you know accentuated even more, and it was even more obvious then. Mm. And then Upa Meccano is, you know, he's. He's a good player, but he definitely has an error in him, um, and he can sometimes do do the odd moment where he loses his footing quite often. Like he's a little bit unbalanced, and 
it, it can make for some moments that look even worse than they perhaps yeah. are just the style of which he does it yeah especially when they're clipped up on Twitter he, he can look like quite quite <laughs> quite the poor defender but we obviously know by, by his time at um, Leipzig that he, there is a, a top quality defender in there but it's just Perhaps when you're at a bigger club like Bayern, their, their mistakes are sort of scrutinised a bit more. Yeah, for sure, because everyone's watching them. Mm. Um, before we delve into a little bit more Bundesliga chat, let's go on to the, the free forever transfers. And you've taken the start for each one, so why don't you let that theme continue? Yeah, well, absolutely, sir. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I've gone a, a little bit... Well, sort of on theme with the rest of the science, sort of forgotten men, sort of that need to get their their careers back on track. Um, Timo Werner from Chelsea back to Leipzig. Um, you know, obviously his time in the Premier League not not a great one, but you, you can say he's he's won the Champions League. Had moments. Yeah, had moments of form. Definitely when he first came in under Lampard, and then suddenly Tuchel comes in and his his pragmatic ways come in, and suddenly. Timo Werner looks like, uh, well, basically a non-league footballer in, in terms of confidence. Yeah, and, comfort. And, and that's the main thing. Is you saw, you saw Werner's head drop at Chelsea a lot, and that's he maybe didn't have the technical level to perform in a system that Tuchel wanted in terms of the possession style. But he's back at Leipzig, and hopefully he can gain some form because his final year at Leipzig was spectacular. Twenty-eight yeah. Bundesliga goals. I mean, I know it's the Bundesliga and the style of defenses means there is. You know, room to to exploit him behind, which just suits Werner perfectly. Yeah, and even say, yeah. even at Chelsea, you saw with room in behind, he still does the business. You saw it at Southampton last season; he scored an absolute worldie through one on one running. Mm. Uh, and I think he's going to get that more than Bundesliga, and I think it is a good move for him. I know it's a backward step, saying I know it didn't work at Chelsea. I'm going to go back to Leipzig, but good move for him. Yeah, no, definitely, and, and also. Um... You know, just on the confidence levels, despite maybe him not having you know the, the right mindset in terms of when he gets through on goal, when he gets some chances, he's he's always going to stretch defenses. He's, he's always going to run in that left Provi- channel. Provides a problem. Yeah, something it, to think about. It, no, it is is chaotic when Timo Werner's around, and you know, hopefully, he, he can find that goal goal scoring form. You know, he, he, I think he scored a hat trick in um in the, in the, in the Pokal yep, uh, in midweek, I think it was, and you know, hopefully, he, he can get back to that sort of. That, that Timo Werner we know from Leipzig uh, yeah, three years ago. Um, and the next player is uh, Matthias Tell. What a player. I, mean, I think he played 70 senior minutes or something for yeah, Ren. Yeah, for, for Ren, yeah. <laughs> um, 17 years old. You know, Bayern you know, saw the talent straight away clearly and said, we're taking you straight away. And um, you, you'd, you'd think with Bayern in the past when they've signed you know, players from, from league unlike you know, Tangi uh, Nianzu, Will he get the minutes? And he, he certainly has so far. You know, um, score scoring the in the cup on his debut. Yeah. Yep, scoring Bundesliga. This uh, I mean, it was it was a spectacular goal in, in the, the cup. cup. It, oh, what a finish! You know, it's it, it sort of it's sort of Henri Estaway explodes past him and just curls it into the far corner. Yeah, such and, power as well. And then obviously, you know, scoring in the Bundesliga this weekend, we, we we've certainly got you know a, a top class talent on our hands, which we always do when when buying you know sign a player. Of, of that age and of that ilk um, but it, it will be interesting to see if you know for the rest of the season will he get them consistent minutes because obviously you know but buying our you know getting into that squad getting into that starting 11 is, is always really tough but you know rotating with Coman with Mane it, it, it can happen he, he can yeah, form there's definitely minutes there especially yeah. now Lewandowski's gone there's not the focal central striker that will 
consistently be there and there's there's minutes to yeah, have there's, sure. there's room for rotation in terms of that front yeah. three isn't yeah, there because sure. we've seen Mane start there yep. and, and obviously he can play anywhere across the front line and, and that's the same with you know, with Tell yeah really like him um, and, and the final signing um, is Karim Adeyemi obviously was at Salzburg last season signed for Dortmund um, I think it was the fee was around 20, 20 to 30 mil yep. um, you know Dortmund have always been excellent recruiters and, and great replacers. Obviously, you've got Haaland going to City this season um, for 54 mil, and then he comes in for less money that you're making, what, 20, 24 mil, I think, on, on that signing. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've, we've seen glimpses of, you know, uh, Adiemi's quality in the, in the Champions, Champions League, League for, for Salzburg. His first game. His first game was it? He wins. Won. What, three penalties? Three penalties, yeah. I think, in the first, which his is, first game. I mean, which is unheard of, basically. Um, you know, he's he's a guy who will, who's got that sort of ability to stretch defenses. That's and, what I was going to say. He's such a stretch defenses player. Like, yeah. he's not like Holland. He he's dissimilar to Holland in a fair few ways, and especially he will most likely play off the right. I'd imagine in in the inside right channel mm. rather than through the middle. But the ability to stretch defenses that Dortmund use with Holland is something they're going to have with Adiemi. Obviously, he's currently injured, but when he's back, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, him. no, definitely, and obviously, you know, you've got. Danny Marlon, who's not really lived lived up to expectations. Yeah, a bit frustrating. I was expecting a lot of things. Yeah, last season, and and then Makoku this season has been you know, a revelation so far. Yeah. But when Adiemi comes back in, it'll be interesting to see their sort of their sort of partnership because you know Dortmund haven't had the start they would have been looking for in terms of you know their overall level. Yeah, I mean they're what fifth in the Bundesliga. Yeah. The, the the collapse. I think they've had. I think they've had a good start. The collapse against Werder Bremen was, that was embarrassing. Uh, one of the worst things it I've was, ever seen. It was Dortmund to a T, which is so frustrating to think about because they are just prone to a collapse like that. And then the game against Leipzig, completely schooled by new Leipzig coach, uh, their ex coach yeah, Marco yeah. Rosa. Um, but other than that, it's been a good start to the season. But yeah, it's just a bit a bit concerning. I mean, at the moment, they're level on points with Bayern, so that's a positive they can take. And what are your three signings then? Yeah, the so first signing is Schlager from Wolfsburg to Leipzig. Unfortunately, he's only, I think he's only amassed 99 minutes or something in the Bundesliga so far, but I really like him. I think Tyler Adams has obviously left Leipzig to go to Leeds United uh, in the Premier League and start pretty well there. But Schlager is just a defensive monster. Yeah. He wins the ball back so much. And I think it's the type of player that would just suit Leipzig to a T, the, their model of of pressing and everything like that. And I think the way he wins the ball back is so impressive. And it can, if he gets into the team consistently, it will allow the likes of Schabotschelai, Forsberg, you know, the creative players in their team to get on the ball really quickly. He'll win it back. And I imagine the first thing he'll do is a five-yard pass to Forsberg, a five-yard yeah. pass to Schwarzschild, whatever, who can then progress the ball forward. Like, he's going to know his strengths of winning the ball back. Um, and that's a player I, I like. I like a player who it, it, it will destroy her and then he'll win the ball back. And it's important in a league like the Bundesliga, which is so transitional, to have a player who breaks up play and doesn't let transition yeah. happen. Stop, as stop counters by themselves and then spring the counter straight yeah. away. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if, if he does get the more regular minutes, that that partnership with you know with Conrad Lehmer, they're absolute that you know, legs for days yeah, in midfield. Yeah, they will not, not stop running yeah. whatsoever, will they? That would be a, a huge boost for Leipzig, who, apart from the result over Dortmund, have had a really rocky start to the season. Yeah. And they'll be hoping for a revival under Rosa after sacking Tedesco. Um, moving on to my second signing, it's Callum Hudson-Odoi to buy Leverkusen on loan. Um, the reason for this is that Callum Hudson-Odoi has been stuck at Chelsea for, I mean, since his injury, really. Um, 
not really playing. And sort, it's, of, sort of a forgotten man, yeah, really. Really frustrating because I know we both loved him as a youth player. Yeah. We both rate him over Sancho as a youth when they were both coming through. I mean, Callum Hudson Adore is one of the best products that Cobham has ever produced, and that's saying a lot considering the products that Cobham has produced. Mm. Um, and he looked good when he came at like Chelsea fans would loved him when he first came in under Sarri it was start Hudson Adoy, start Hudson Adoy and he was integrated slowly start Hudson Adoy over the likes of, of Willian and etc like that um, and he started getting minutes and then he got injured in Achilles and it's hampered his growth completely and he's had niggles again like he last season he started playing and when he scored in a 4 one over Juventus looked really good he was in important in that massive win over Leicester and the massive 7-0 win over Norwich I know it's Norwich but still that was a really good performance from Chelsea won a few that couple of weeks against Leicester Norwich Juventus was the best period of attacking football that Chelsea have played and Callum Hudson-Odoi was at the centre of it and it's no surprise because you look at his numbers and he's so creative progressed the ball with his dribbles with his carries but then it's just the vision as well it's excellent it's crossing um, and it's just been frustrating because when he has got on the pitch in sub minutes he doesn't doesn't look the same player as when he's given a consistent run of form of minutes and I think that Leverkusen can give him that you'll need time because Kalamazanadoi isn't match fit yet and he needs to have a regular run of minutes um, but if he gets up to speed I'm hopeful that it's the, the revival of Callum Hudson-Odoi's career yeah, yeah no definitely I, I think if if he can get on song there's there's times before his injury at Chelsea where he, he sort of it's like he looks unstoppable like you, you oh, can't you can't defend him like yeah. the way he shifts the ball so quickly while having it glued and then it's, when he shoots it's the short back lift it's just the power he can get from just such little snapshots yeah people um, will criticise the goals that he scores a lot of the time I know I've seen it before a lot mm. of his goals have been keep, keepers made a mistake there keep, you look at his goal comps and a lot of the time it will be the keepers made a mistake there and while that is true it's the way it's he the gets power, off. Yeah. it's the power it's the, it's the unexpectedness yeah. of a shot so quick it's, it's not I'm not comparing on the same level, but it's the Harry Kane of quick shot, yeah, get it shots, away, yeah. and power. And Hudson Odoi has got the power, the, the snapshot, and it forces goalkeepers into errors because they can't, they weren't expecting it. They're not set, and that you know they're powering it into the corner. And you're like, well, you have got to say that, but no, it's also down to Hudson Odoi as well. Mm. And I'm looking forward to seeing him at Leverkusen. Um, I'm moving to my final transfer uh, for the Bundesliga, and it's Schlotterbeck um, to Dortmund. Um, really good. He's now a full Germany international starting centre back there, come from Freiburg, and yeah, he's he's he was probably the best young defender in the Bundesliga last year, Definitely, potentially yeah. even in Europe, um, uh, along with William Saliba at Marseille last season, and I think left-footed, which is just so valuable in the modern game. And Dortmund have looked better, um, barring the Leipzig game and the Werder Bremen game in terms of defensively, they look a lot more stable yeah. lots set and I think Schlotterbeck's played a, a decent role in that and passing out from the back superb and he's the modern centre back and he's left footed and that, that provides a, that adds, the fact he's left footed adds 15 million probably to his value yeah definitely you know, I mean, we've seen that with uh, Lissandro Martinez this season for United but I, I think I think Schlotterbeck can definitely form you know a, a really solid partnership with Nicolas Sewell this season yeah when he's back fully fit obviously came yeah. back um, we need to see Sula and Slotterbeck as a partnership because I think that's got real potential yeah no definitely uh, obviously you know he has the potential to maybe slot in at left back as well yeah. if, if Dortmund do you know play that system um, but yeah no he really impressed me at Freiburg last season he was definitely up there with one of the best defenders um, 
we'll quickly touch on the Bundesliga as a whole. Union Berlin are top, Freiburg second. I don't think anyone would have predicted that coming into the season, no. six games in. No, um, I mean, since they've come into the league, uh, what was it, uh, in 2019, Union Berlin have just always been, you know, challenging for, for European places. And, you know, with the budget they have, you know, it's amazing that they are. They, they've been such a, a, a difficult sort of team to, you know, overcome, especially away from uh, at, at that, that, their, their home stadium. Especially considering they've lost Awanimi as well. Yeah. Top scorer last season, gone to Nottingham Forest, and they're top of the Bundesliga. Yeah, no losses. Um, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, them and Bayern, obviously, unbeaten uh, at the moment. Um, but yeah, the Bundesliga, it will be tight. I mean, the thing that strikes me is the fact that Leipzig, 10th, and you've got Leverkusen, who finished in the Champions League spots last year. 17th. 17th. Yeah. Um, and that is something they need to turn around, but... Bundesliga is going to be interesting. I think you'd expect it gets Bayern, criticised. Yeah, you'd expect Bayern to obviously you know rise to the top, but yep. yeah, the, I mean, ba- the battle below that is has got a lot of teams in there, and yeah. I'm, I'm pretty intrigued to see to see what happens. But it will be interesting if they do introduce the uh, the one nil down rule. Maybe next season that 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 would uh, add an extra bit of intrigue to the Bundesliga. Maybe maybe for anyone who doesn't know, that's uh, an article that Michael Cox uh, published on the Athletic. Um, considering Bayern's domination, whether they should start every Bundesliga game 1-0 down. Um, right, La Liga, the final of the big five leagues. Let's wrap this up pretty quickly because I think we've talked for a long, long yeah, time here. Yeah. Three favourite tra- three favorite transfers from La Liga, go. Well, I've gone, uh, my first one, uh, Momo Cho or Mohamed Ali Cho. Uh, obviously signed from, from Anjay last season. Uh, he's at Sociedad this season. Um, I can't remember what the fee was, but it was something pretty ridiculously low. Yeah, it was an absolute steal for you know, a player of his quality. Obviously, you know ha- hasn't got the numbers. numbers maybe that's the reason yeah. why the numbers aren't on there. The numbers last season for Andre, um, but I mean we, we saw it in, in midweek against United. The quality that he possesses, you know, he, he's going to be a handful for for all, all, all defensive uh, defenses this season uh, in La Liga. Um, what, what do you think about the signing? Yeah, really good. Sociedad of, I mean, I'll, I'll say one of my signings now just because it relates to the point, but Almeria, Ameri- signing uh, Umar Sadiq yeah. from Almeria. Um, those two linked up uh, last weekend. Ali Cho, cross to the bat stick, Sadiq, header. I think that's going to be a combination we're going to see several times this mm. season. And the reason I mention them together is the fact they've signed those two and they've sold Isaac, made a massive profit, and they've replaced Alexander Isaac with two players who have potential to replicate his output, especially considering yeah. his output last season wasn't, wasn't particularly that, yeah, good. Wasn't that good yeah. So they've done really good business, and Sociedad continue to be a really well-run club. Um, I love the fact that David Silva, David Silva is still balling out in yeah. Spain. Um, and yeah, they've got a real chance of, of competing for Europe, and I think that those two combined is really good business. Yeah, no, definitely. I think Sadiq to Cho and Cho to Sadiq is going to be a combination that we're going to see a lot this season. It's sort of uh, La Liga's answer to uh, Haaland and uh, De Bruyne, <laughs> I think. Um, so uh, the, the next transfer I've gone for is uh, Antonio Rudiger to uh, to Madrid, Real Madrid, that is, on a free transfer. I mean, just straight away, Rudiger on a free is just outrageous it is, in, yeah. in, in its own right. But obviously, the quality that he has... And and has shown for the last you know five seasons at Chelsea has, has been, you know, he's he's definitely been one of the, one of the top five centre backs in in the league, um, in the Premier League. Um, 
But obviously, it's going to be interesting to see how how he sort of rotates with Alaba and Militao this season. Yep. You know, right. there's going to be a lot of competition for places. You know, um, obviously, you, you you're joining European champions. It's going to be hard to sort of get into the starting lineup and you know sort of break up the establishment. Um, but I, I think R- Rudiger, you know, his, his prestige that he's shown over the last you know five years or so is is certainly going to be going to be something big for Madrid this season. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a great signing, and Rudiger, a bit like Bai, always produces some some great moments. Yeah, some, his, some... his running style um, is worth worth the, the wages, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in terms of entertainment value, anyway. Um, and your third signing is uh, also another centre back. Yes, it is. It's uh, Tangi uh, Nianzu from Bayern. Um, I mentioned him earlier, actually. Yes, yes, him. we did actually. Um, obviously, you know, uh, when when he first broke out at PSG, that there was a lot of hype around. Yeah, his his yeah his, his stock was basically through the roof. I think he scored two goals against yeah. Angers yeah. in, in one game. <laughs> that was the thing that was yeah. funny. He scored goals as centre back, and that's what made people yeah. like turn their ears. Yeah, up. which is you know not what you should really be doing. No. Um, but obviously, um, didn't really get the opportunities at Bayern. I'm not entirely sure why that is because I, I think he's got the talent level. Um, we, we saw that at, at, um, at PSG for you know several months. But he's also someone who can, we saw it at PSG, he can play in that defensive midfielder role. It's quite similar to uh, Bubakar Kamara in that sense, that he is flexible tactically. You know, he can you know, start a midfield and then you can drop back into a back three and he can just play that central centre-back. And I think at Sevilla, um, obviously they've not made the start they wanted, but I think you know, um, if they're going to really turn the season around, he's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, for sure. Great signing um, for Sevilla, who uh, yeah need need him to step up for sure. Um, I'll go on to mine. Obviously, I've said Umar Sadiq, so I've only got two to go. Um, um, I've gone with uh, Ander Herrera back to Athletic Club um, from PSG. Obviously, joined PSG uh, on a free transfer, I believe, from from Man United. Yes, um, it was. And has was a pretty reliable figure there, but nothing special. Not quite like the midfielders PSG have now, who I think they've made a massive upgrade, getting rid of Gay, Paredes and Herrera, getting in Vitinha, Carlos Soler, Fabian Ruiz. Um, but yeah, Herrera back to Athletic Club, back to the club he sort of started out at, um, the club with whom he was just brilliant in a couple of Champions League games, yeah. I remember, at Old Trafford. Um, serious for Athletic Club. Oh yeah, club. No, 2012 I think that, that yeah, was. That way was back when, way back, back when. Back in Fergie times. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's a, it's a comeback story. Um, that I really enjoy uh, and last of all I really enjoy many I mean he's the most expensive uh, signing in La Liga I believe um, 100 million euros um, whether he's worth that is another question but I think he's proven that he's he pretty much is yeah, <laughs> at so, Monaco so far, yeah. um, at Monaco he was pr- just immense in in midfield um, grabbed the headlines for good reason I mean there was you know move from Bordeaux took a little while to get into the starting lineup, and then had a really good first Full season, you're thinking, is he going to make a move now? Didn't had the had the building season that sometimes players need after a good breakout year. They mm. need that second season to really cement the place. To cement it, yeah. it's not just a flash in the pan where yeah. you're like, oh, you're going to boil, you know, go off the boil. But yeah, too many had that and got a massive move to Real Madrid, who have clearly shown their faith in him by selling Casemiro to to Real, uh, to not to Real Madrid, to <laughs> sell them to Manchester United. Um, and yeah, it's a real show of faith in Chouameni because 
when he signed, it was a question of, of where's he going to fit in? Is he going to play as an eight? Is he going to play as a six? Is he going to be a backup to Casemiro? Is he going to be a rotator? Um, and it, it's clear now that he's the starting six. He's the first choice option there. Mm. Um, and Real Madrid is set for the next 10 years in that position. And also with Camavinga as well. I mean, and Valverde. Feli Valverde, that yeah. midfield. I mean, it's a, it's a bit different to, to the midfield they've been used to. But it, my word, is it talented? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think you know it's a great sign of a great player when... You, you go into obviously the, the level of opponents isn't you know high, but in terms of the atmosphere, going to Celtic Park and playing the way he did, you know he, he really controlled that game along with Mo, uh, Modric and Cruz, um, and, and that's a sign of uh, you know a guy who's headstrong who doesn't get you know overwhelmed by the occasion and, and can certainly you know certainly hang at this level at, at, at the top of the top of the game. Yeah, I think that Chouameni could be one of the signings of the summer for sure. When we yeah. look back. Sure. Well, we've been going for nearly an hour and 45 now, so I think it's probably best that we wrap up. I mean, it's a, been a mega first episode. Mm. Um, this has just been an introduction. Um, we do have plans for a weekly episode where we're going to be releasing on a Monday, again, like this one is going out, um, but it's just going to be diving into the weekend's action, doing some analysis, picking our favourite games, favourite players, stuff that, that caught our eyes. Um, so more, you know regular thing that's going to be happening every week on a Monday so so make sure you tune in for that um, Jamie what have you made of our, of our first episode enjoyed it I know I certainly have I think um, we made some you know pretty pretty strong arguments for you know for our, our top signings and obviously you know um, just looking at the leagues and how they're going to you know play out we never know for certain but I, I think you know it's, it's certainly interesting isn't it yeah for sure I think it's uh it's got all the hallmarks of another absolute crack of a season yeah. across European football and we'll keep you covered of that. We will be talking all top five leagues. If there's any stories from the Dutch league, from the Portuguese league as well that, that, that tickle our fancy, we'll also be talking about that. But yeah, we just want to keep you obviously informed on anything European football, um, giving you some, some valuable insight um, that we feel we bring. So thank you very much for listening to the first episode of the Back to Goal podcast. I've been Cameron Smith. I've been Jamie Monks. And we'll catch you next time. Ooh.